Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, we read in our Old Testament reading, and we had reinforced another truth for us in, in this psalm, the psalm that we read together. Um, in the beginning, there was rest. Okay, In the beginning, the God who created the heavens and the earth finished his work. And he looked at it and he said, this is good. This is really good good and he quit working he quit creating but see implicit in that it says something else when it says that God rested from all his work it said he blessed that day and made it holy set it apart dedicated it to himself that's what he did he said this that I made is really good it is perfect And I'm setting aside a day to enjoy it. To just enjoy it. And he didn't just say it talking to himself. He said it to his people. He said, appreciate my creation. Enjoy it. Marvel at his goodness. That was beginning. But then, what? Sin happened. See, the, the essence of sin is to say, God doesn't know what he's talking about. If I'm going to believe this, I'm going to try it first. Isn't, isn't that what they did? It sounds really stupid when you say it that way, but that's what they did. And that's pretty much what we do every time we sin. And something happened because of that sin. We call it the curse. What was that? It was God saying, there is no rest for the wicked. So, you want to try it yourself first? Instead of believing me? Do you want to trust in your own judgment and your own experience and your own desires? Well, then, here's what that means. It means labor and sorrow. It means conflict. And it means sweat and it means tears. And it means... Paul sums it up. What's all creation subject to now? It's vanity. Have you experienced that? You you know what I'm talking about? You work and you work and you work and you try, and it doesn't work. Or it comes to nothing. And that's, that's the curse. But you see, that has a lot to do with where we started, doesn't it? In the beginning, there was rest. But because of sin, there is no rest. There is no rest. And the Old Testament is is a a chronicle of this. Now, this is all introduction, so 
I'm going to go as fast as I possibly can, but you know how fast I go. It's not fast. And the first thing that struck me as I thought through this, this whole concept of rest was the longing of people living under the curse. Simple things, like you all know the story of Noah and Noah's Ark, right? When Noah was born, his father named him Noah because the name Noah sounded like a word that meant relief. And he said, maybe, maybe this is the one, (laughs) okay? This is the one that will give us relief from our labor. And all I can envision is Lamech must have been a hardworking farmer that just really wasn't having a good time of it. I don't know whether it was locusts or hail or what it was, but he said, maybe, maybe this one. And of course, Noah didn't exactly bring him relief from their troubles, did he? His family was saved. But the wickedness was so great in the earth that God wiped out so much of his creation that had been so beautiful. And it goes on. You know, you've got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the writer of Hebrew. For them, just having a home land that they could call their own was a tremendous blessing. It was rest, right? And what does the writer of Hebrews tell us? What does the history tell us in the Old Testament? All of these people, they believed God's promise. They they were looking forward to him restoring rest. But they never saw it. And they died believing that God was still going to keep that promise. And their descendants went down into Egypt, and they lived for what just seemed like forever. You know, something that looked like a blessing to save them from famine turned into a slavery that's almost incomprehensible. They cried to God, and God said, Moses, and delivered his people from Egypt and promised to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey, cities that they didn't have to build, houses to live in that they didn't have to make the bricks for, okay? Crops to reap that they hadn't even planted. Sounds like rest to me, doesn't it? And it was, sort of. But Moses didn't take them into that land, did he? Joshua did. And how did that work out? As soon as Joshua died, the cycle just started over again. Because, you see, the promise of rest, even the concept of a Sabbath, 
in the Old Testament is a huge concept. It's not just about stopping your job for the day. Okay? It's about relief and sharing that relief with the people who work for you and with you. Even sharing that, that rest, that peace with the stranger that's passing through. It was about giving your land a little rest, for goodness sakes. It was about your donkey and your ox. They deserve rest, too. They're part of God's good creation. See? It was huge. And time and time, even though there was a harshness in the law, you know, God says, look, this is going to be it. This Sabbath is going to be a symbol of our relationship. But you see, what he's saying is there's rest coming. Trust me. Believe me. And they didn't. Time and time again they didn't. So really, Joshua didn't give them rest. Not in any overarching sense. And neither did the good kings. You see, another little piece of what rest is, when there were kings in Israel who served God and turned people away from worshiping idols, God blessed them. He gave them, what? Rest from their enemies. He gave them rest. And as often as not, not, their son came along and built all the idols back up. And people with their short memories wondered why they didn't have rest from their enemies anymore. And the prophet said, what are you, forgetting something? There is no rest for the wicked. That's a It's a frustrating history, isn't it? We have a little bit of a sense, even with what is so much that still remains of the goodness of God's creation, and yet so much that reminds us that it's laboring under a curse. Not because it did anything wrong, but because we did. And because we keep doing it. (coughs) And it's into that kind of frustration, that kind of longing. We've just come off of our season of Advent. And every year, I think, I'm not sure... I even get it to the extent that I see some of these people in the Old Testament and some of the people that were around when Jesus was born. The sense that they had, yes, this is what we were waiting for. This is what we need. Finally. Not just another not just another Moses, not just another Noah, not just another Joshua. Not even just another David or Solomon. 
He's here. Our rest is here. Finally. And I try to get that every year. And the point of the, the whole point of this sermon is to stop and think and try to get it. Okay? Try to really get in that place where when we hear Jesus say, Here, here, I'm here. Come here, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. What are you tired of? Think about that. What are you tired of? What what was it that so stoked the expectations of godly people before the coming of Christ. Now, it wasn't the fact that they they had to work. That wasn't the curse. Adam had a job before he sinned. Okay? But it wasn't cursed. It was blessed. All right? What are you tired of? You don't need to be tired of work. That's a good thing. You might be tired of your job, because that may not be a good thing. I'll tell you one thing I'm tired of. I'm tired of the conflict that entered this world when sin came. It started with Cain and Abel, brothers, for goodness sakes. And Cain murdered his brother. For what? Because he wanted to tell God what sacrifice he would give him. I think maybe we've done that more than once in the course of history. I think maybe we're still doing it today within our church. We disagree about something. How important is it? Well, it's very important. It's essential. Is it worth killing me for? Is it? Jesus said, you look at your brother and just call him a fool and dismiss him without listening to him. You're in danger of hell fire. Because that's not rest. I'm tired of that. Dead tired of that. Tired of the futility. Tired. Tired of the conflict. Deathly, deathly tired of the dying. Writer of Hebrews says, we live out our lives in slavery to the fear of death. How true that is. How true that is. I'm tired of it. 
I'm tired of getting sick. Sick and tired? No, I'm just tired of getting sick. And I'm tired of people that I love getting sick. I'm tired of poverty. And I'm tired of oppression that causes it. Because this isn't the world that God created. And it's not good in many ways. But you see, the rest that Jesus promises us, it starts with a deliverance from the sin and wickedness that causes our misery. It starts with that. Because he came to offer himself a sacrifice to truly, once and for all, atone for that sin and redeem us to himself. He's given you, think about this, he has taken on himself the one thing that keeps anybody from enjoying, participating, appreciating, experiencing God's rest. And that is sin and wickedness. He took that on himself. And he gives us his spirit to change our hearts, to teach us to listen to God instead of our own wisdom. (laughs) How's that work out? I laugh because... (laughs) The stuff we call wisdom sometimes is pretty stupid. (laughs) And we don't learn. But he's come. And he said, that's just the beginning. And it's something that people in the Old Testament, they, they had for God's forgiveness as well. But the clarity of the finality and the finish and the satisfaction for it was not there. Every time they came with a sacrifice to show that they believed God, they had to think, all this means is I sinned again. And I'm probably going to sin again tomorrow. And this is a sheep, for goodness sakes. This isn't going to change God's mind about my sin, about me. There wasn't the finality. There wasn't it. But Jesus said, you come to me. I'll give you peace. I'll give you a foundation for peace. And more than that, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And next time it won't be to die. It will to me make everything right. And to make everything new. What do you have to look forward to? You have peace with God if you trust him. If you come to Jesus, you have peace with God. And what does he say? He says, envision this. 
Dream about a city where nobody gets sick. And where death is over forever. Once and for all. Done. Never to happen again. Where nobody oppresses his neighbor. Where all creation, new heavens, new earth, live in harmony. And you know what? It's a safe place for righteous people to live. It's a safe place. So that's not always true now, is it? Not yet. But that's what he tells you to look forward to. And you know you can have it because there is a way of peace with God who promises it. That promise was implicit in the blessing before the fall. This is a rest that you can participate in. It's my rest, and I'm sharing it with you. Okay? And it was implicit even in the law that said, keep the Sabbath or be stoned to death. But you see, it was full of all these overtones of better things to come. And when Jesus stands up and says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, that's a guarantee of better things to come that the law could never give. What are you sick of? Probably a little different for each of us, but I want you to take that home and think about it. And here's why. Because if you really, really, really want something, what do you say? I just can't. What? I can't wait. I can't wait. This is too good. I can't wait. And if you can't wait, you know what that does to you right now? It's a call to you and to me. And it's a call Jesus made when he said, you come to me, I'll give you rest. He said, you take my yoke on you. This is nothing. Share. Speak up for people that are oppressed. What do you got to be afraid of? There's perfect liberty coming. (laughs) We're leaving here just like Israel left Egypt. And like Moses, we can stand up and say, oh, no, let my people go. It's, it's all good. <laughs> Even now, it's good. Is it a yoke to put on? Yeah. It's Jesus' yoke. And the way I envision this isn't, you know, somebody in a chariot with a whip. It's Jesus beside me pulling this load. And it's not that heavy. In fact, there is so much peace and rest 
and satisfaction in listening to God and just doing it. And, and, and having God-given wisdom to look at all the noise out here and say, no, I don't have to try it to know. God says, this is good. And I believe him. And God says, this is evil, and it's going to hurt. And I don't have to try it. I know. He's right. How hard is that? Even your work is rest. Okay? Even your work is rest. It's an anticipation of the rest to come. What a hope. What a one to live out. We pray that God would help us to think about those things, to weigh them, and to open our eyes and look around. Look around. There's so many opportunities to participate in His rest right now. Pick some of them up. Try it. You'll like it. (laughs) Honest. Because God says so. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word, and we're grateful for the truth that you have opened our eyes to, and we pray that you would teach us more and more every day as we come to know you better and better, to trust you more and more, and to find in obedience all our rest. We pray it in Jesus' name, giving thanks for him. Amen.